Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Power Your Life. And it's always a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Joanne White. And so many of us go through challenges and often don't know how we can get past them, how we can rise up from them and get through them and be better and also create something so beautiful and and so important, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And my guests today are two people who are so important because what they do is is they've risen from some of the most difficult challenges within their lives and overcame them and created something as a team for not only, again, not only for themselves, but for other people. And I'm talking about James and Steph. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing their names right, Purpura. They met about 15 years ago, and at the time that they met, they were financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. Life had beaten them down, shattered their self-esteem, and they really were at the lowest point in their lives. That's when they met. They were united together by a shared vision of both creating and becoming more, more than what they were at that moment, that devastating moment in time. And yet, together, they started right from where they are they were. They began working on themselves, working on each other, and helping one another grow beautifully. They challenged each other and themselves daily, every step of the way, and they never settled. So let's fast forward 15 years later, and after many ups and downs, which they will describe for us, and a lot of hard work, they sold a tech company that they had, and it was one of the world's largest construction software companies, and lived an extraordinary life. Through this journey of self-creation, they developed a personal philosophy centered around perception. And their mission is is to provide a roadmap for people to master their perception and their emotions, to become conscious creators of their lives. And I have a quote from James and Steph. According to them, everything that you see and everything that you experience is determined by your perception. And your emotions give you the life, the only meaning it has. We're going to talk more with them. Welcome, James and Steph. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing today? Great. So I was introducing you, but I want you to really tell us a little bit about your story. I was talking about how you you were 
going through a very difficult time when you met and were both financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt, and then came together, pooled your resources, grew yourselves, worked on one one another and each other and yourselves, and here you are today. So, can you share a little bit of that story, James? Absolutely. So, I just want to let you know, Joan, could, uh, Steph could not join us today. Um, with some family problems she had to take care of. So it's just me. Sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, I'll be happy to share that story. So, you know, essentially, you know, we both found ourselves in really desperate situations. I was sitting in solitary confinement. Um, Steph woke up on a hotel room floor after a brutal suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we we met just about a year and a half after that for both of us. And, when we met, we both knew that we wanted more out of our lives, but we didn't know how to create that or how we were going to grow. Um, but we were fully, both fully committed to that process, so we made an agreement at that point that we were going to figure out how it is we create our lives, how to grow and learn and create and do all those magical things together and literally rebuild our lives from the ground up. You know that's a great that's a great motivation for other people, and 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 many people are going through so many challenges right now. To be able to kind of see the two of you as these examples that you know you 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 were at rock bottom really, and you began to to grow and to shift and to do what you're doing today. I love what you're doing with your company. So tell our listeners more about how your company became was created really and and what's the purpose of it and what you're doing with it now yeah i'd be happy to so you know from the time that i left that jail cell to the time we made our first million dollars was about nine years um and that may seem like a long time to some and not very much time to others but Essentially, it was nine years of extremely working hard on ourselves and trying to figure out what the mechanisms by which we create our lives are. And we promised ourselves if we ever made it to the top that we would share the principles we learned with others. And so what really, really kind of defines our story and separates it from everybody else's is that, you know, we didn't have money. We couldn't go see a guru. We didn't you know, we didn't really have access to the materials or, you know, knew the teachers. So we really fostered our experience through our, you know, our growth through our own experience. We'd, we'd adopt an idea and we'd apply it to our lives and then we'd see if it worked. And if it worked, we'd do more of it. And if it didn't, we'd do less of it. You know, we would spend nights every single night, like discussing life, discussing perception, discussing emotions trying to see, you know, you know, like the tea leaves of what was going on to develop a philosophy around how it is we create our lives. And, you know, when you think about life, it's, it really breaks up into two pieces. And I think that we've all think we've been made to choose between, you know, what creates happiness and well-being and what creates financial success and, and things on the outside. And so uh, we set out on a mission to figure out both. And, and in the end, if we did that, we started Powerful You which is our company, as a way to give back and to share what we learned with others, but to also kind of disrupt and recreate the personal development space because, of, because we think it's broken. 
You know, you talk a lot about perception, and I think that's so important in not only in your philosophy and what you're doing with your company, but in how we, the listeners and people thinking about it, relate to it. So what? firstly, what's the definition of perception, and why is that so important? And I agree with you, by the way. Yeah, so here's what most people don't get. You know, we write this in the book, and we show this in the movie, but you know, you know, I think we all run around thinking that life is some mystery that we don't really understand, you know, the laws or ideas that dictate our experience here. But in reality, those laws are perception, right? And that's what we figured out is that, you know, everything that you are is dictated by perception, everything that you see, everything that you know. You know, the science says that we don't have access to the outside world. We only have our interpretation of what we think that world is. So basically, in a nutshell, what that means is we don't see reality. We see what we believe reality to be from moment to moment, right? And and that's that's what's going on. And, and people are like, I could tell somebody like, you know, you don't see reality. And they go, oh, I know, because maybe they've heard that narrative before. And I think that they they think that they do. But my friend Bo Lotto, who's the foremost authority in the world on perception, you know, would say, well, do you believe in delusion? And they'd say yes. And then he'd say, then you think that you see reality because it's all delusion in a sense is because our, our reality is a construct of our mind, right, based on things that have happened to us in the past. And so we, we think that we see reality because it feels real, but in fact, it's just an interpretation or a painting that our mind is making about what's happening. I I. Totally support that. So if, if that's true, which I believe, and we're creating our reality through our perception, what is necessary to change that perception so that the reality that we're creating is one that's more successful, that feels good to, to, or, to us, that is easier or to, more joyful? How do we get to that place, James? That's a big question. So I'm going to try to unpack it in two different pieces for you, okay? But essentially, the question is, well, if we don't see reality, what do we see, right? And what we see is an assumption, right? Meaning that our mind takes all the available data and makes an assumption about what it means. Well, where do we get the data to feel that assumption? Well, it comes from our past. And so here I've got a question for you that will quickly help your listeners understand the answer to your question. Joan, my question is for you is, can you have the thing that you want most in the world sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? Yeah, especially if we're, we're, not, look, we're not seeing it and, and our perception is not allowing us to, to look at it and know that even know that it's in front of us or that it's going to serve us in some way. Right. So we, we, we tell a little story that illustrates this, and it's a very simple story. I want you to imagine a man. This man wants more than anything to be loved. He wants to be in a relationship. Unfortunately, this man has really, really low self-esteem, poor self-image. One day, this guy walks into a store. He walks up to the counter, and the girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. My question for you and all of your listeners is, does he recognize the girl who's flirting with him? If he has low self-esteem and not feeling good about himself, probably not. 
That's the answer I always get, probably not. Well, if anybody that's listening to us also answered probably not, then you already have a fundamental understanding about perception. And so, but the question you should be asking yourself is, if this guy has the thing that he wants most in the world sitting right in front of his face, or at least the opportunity to get that thing, right, what if that's happening to me? What if the things that I want are presenting themselves and I just can't see them? And that is happening to you every single day, period, because that's the way perception works. And so what dictates your perception when you think about it is your perception actually exists much like your eyesight in a very limited field. You can only see what you believe to be possible. And so the more you believe it, the more likely you are to see it. The less you believe it, the less likely you are to see it. And so what is this guy seeing? He's seeing his low self-esteem being projected on the situation. He might even be telling himself, you know, in reality, the girl's there. She's flirting with him. But what he's seeing is a girl talking to him. And he might even be telling himself a narrative like a girl like this would never be interested in me. And so that's essentially how perception works. But when people hear the story, like, oh, well, that happens occasionally. No, it happens all the time because that is literally how perception works. You know, we have, there's a lot of talk around this idea of the law of attraction. And it's all about like, you know, you, you meditate on this thing and some magical force draws it into you, but that's not actually how it works. The reason you look at a board and meditate on the things you want is not to draw it in. It's to foster belief so that you'll see the opportunities that already exist to get the things that you want. And that's essentially what's going on. And so our friend in the store is us. And I'll give you a simple example of how this works, you know, for your listeners as well. I want you to think about the car that you're driving right now. Now, whether you decided that you were going to get that car before you went to the lot or you bought the car, you know, you just went to the lot and ended up with that car. You know, once you made the decision to buy that car or you bought that car, all of a sudden, I'm sure everybody came to the awareness that every single person in your town is driving that same car, right? And it didn't seem like that before. You were like, I didn't even know every because your mind isn't on the lookout. And so the reason the guy doesn't see the girl flirting with him is because your mind does not waste time or energy looking for things it doesn't believe is possible, just like you wouldn't go to the end of a rainbow looking for a pot of gold because you don't think it's there. So his mind just wasn't on the lookout for somebody flirting with him because, quite frankly, he didn't think it was possible. So I get that, and I think it's, it's really important. So if we know that, if we know that our perception and how we see something is dictating what we're seeing and, and, and how we're even viewing it and talking about it to ourselves or whatever, how do we change that? So that pot of gold, I'm just going to use that, or, or, or that car, let's say a car that we believe is not in our reach, okay, and, and yet it may be, but because our perception is such that we don't believe it's true, it's not. How do we shift it? so that our belief resonates with the perception that we want and and then there's there's this beautiful match and hence hey that car is attainable and we know how to get it so you got to think about it like this 95 of your mental cognition is in your subconscious mind and so the beliefs and ideas that fuel your interpretation or perceptions are packed into your subconscious mind 
And if you're telling yourself the, a story about that you're not good enough, if you're telling yourself a story based on lack, if you're telling yourself a story about how you'll never have the things that you want or that you don't have the skills, any stories that you keep telling yourself, so if you're beating yourselves up, you are literally packing your mind, your subconscious mind full of lack, and that's what's fueling your perception. So the first step to understanding and shaping and changing your reality is this. You know, in the moment, as you're sitting in any given moment, what mindfulness is becoming aware of more of the information that's available to you. It's getting out of that reactionary mode and saying, is there more here? That's what you do in the moment. But what you really have to do where the deep work comes in is you have to start telling yourself a different story about who you are, what you're capable of, and what you're, you know, what you're going to do because that is the information that's fueling your perception. So you have to begin to foster a narrative about yourself that's more empowering, that's more light, that's more capable, so that your perception will see more of the available information. So there's this idea, it's like, you know, I don't know if you've heard it, but Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset. And it's a fantastic book. And when in it, she talks about, you know, a growth versus fixed mindset. If you believe that you're capable of anything, well, what does that do for you? Those people are more successful. And the question is why? And it's actually a pretty simple argument. And I'll, I'll give it in a story that, that will make sense to a lot of your listeners. So do we, we all know pessimists, right? And so every pessimist that I know says the same thing. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, <laughs> right? Right? Don't they say that? I'm like, okay, well, yeah. here's what the pessimist fails to understand. Their pessimistic view is no more or real based in reality than my optimistic view, right? And so, but there is a cost to pessimism, and this is what it is. When you choose to be in a negative space or identify with the negative aspects of a situation, what you're doing is, is you are closing your field of perception down to just the most negative aspects. So the good news is, because you're a pessimist and you've limited your field to only seeing the most negative aspects, you know, when you think about it, like when you're in negative space, your head drops, you're not looking up, your physiology changes, right? And we might even create those things. And so you've honed down your choices to the negative aspects. The good news is you get to be right. The bad news is you'll never create what you want out of life because you're never going to see all of the available information because you chose to go negative. So what positivity does in comparison to pessimism is positivity opens you up so that you can see more of the available opportunities. Now, you may not feel safe enough in this moment to take advantage of them, so, but at least you'll be on a playing field and be able to see what's going on around you. Pessimism, what's a self-fulfilling prophecy? It's really easy. It's like, oh, I know my girlfriend or boyfriend's going to break up with me, so what do I do? In order to protect myself, I put up my walls because I know they're going to break up with me. Well, when I put up my walls, that causes a massive disconnection in the relationship, and that disconnection causes the other person to become disinterested, and then they do, in fact, break up with you. That's what a self-fulfilling prophecy is. So it's really starting to adopt a more positive mindset about yourself, about the world, about the opportunities, and start building a new narrative around what you think is possible. 
You know, I totally support that because I work a lot with people with this, their subconscious, and, and oftentimes our belief systems are also shaped by our families and, and, and people and our past, our teachers or whatever, and, and many people come through that feeling scarred, feeling as though, well, my my parents always thought I wasn't good enough or, or my teachers, da-da-da-da, and they carry out that narrative. And like you said, you have to be able. I love you know. The, you have to be able to take a look at where you're standing with it. If you are a pessimist, like you said, you're really closing down that view and that opportunity to be able to embrace so much more in terms of possibility. So, so I love it. Your talk, you you and Steph developed something I believe called the emotional integration technique can you describe that i love it i've studied it a little yes. bit can you describe that to our listeners yeah so what the emotional integration technique is so let's talk about how we create our lives so one of the things that happened for steph and i is when we got to a million dollars i looked at her and I said you happy and she said no i said me either so we got to two million dollars i'm like you happy she said no you know me either and so we had at that point we we didn't stop but we stopped viewing on what it stopped trying to understand what it took to create in the outside world because we figured that out and we started to focus on what it took to create happiness and this is where the emotional integration technique and what we discovered is is it's not the same thing the same principles don't dictate you know how you create in the outside world you know, things and how you create happiness, but we all feel like we've been made to choose. It's like, well, you know, be successful or be happy. Well, we can be both. And that's where the emotional integration technique comes in is that what we discovered is that creating an outside world is about shifting your perception about what the information means and building that new narrative. Creating on the inside world is about, shifting your perception and the emotional states that you harbor inside. And so here's what I would tell you is what we discovered is that emotions are stored in your body. So I want you to think of your central nervous system as your subconscious mind. Your memories are stored in your mind. So the way perception works is perception, unbeknownst to you, when you walk into a room and you get around to have an experience, your perception goes in and it sources your past to give meaning to the current experience. Well, because you don't know how far back your, emotion, your, your mind has to go to, to give meaning to the current experience, so you don't know what memory it's grabbing, but that memory also has an emotion tied to it, right? Because the experience had an emotion tied to it. And so essentially what happens is, is that, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting there, and if you've ever felt a level of anger or frustration or sadness that's not appropriate, for the situation you're in, you've experienced this, which we all have. And so what happens is, is that that experience that your perception sourced to give meaning to your current experience had a negative emotion tied to it. And so all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're angry or you're sad or you're frustrated and you don't know why because the current situation really doesn't dictate it, right? And so what right. we discovered is that the emotional integration technique is all about going into your past reliving past experiences in your mind, not to change the experience, but to imprint a new emotion on an old experience. So the next time, unbeknownst to you, that your mind pulls that experience to, to, to dictate your current experience, that it comes with a 
different emotional response. And that's how you create happiness because we're all on this roller coaster of emotions constantly because we have all these unprocessed emotions trapped in our subconscious mind. You know, I do something similar, but I don't call it that. Sometimes going back in time, whether it's going back to when somebody is a teenager or going back to when they were a child and and taking a look at at what those emotions were and what the feelings were and, and, and being able to make sense of it, like you're saying, in a new way so that you can shift how the perception of it, how we're viewing it and the emotional tie in response to it. So I think it's beautiful, and I also think it's it's really very powerful for people to be able to shift that because oftentimes, as you said, James, we're we're really unaware of where that we're carrying that emotion, and we can be in a situation, like you said, walk in a room, and because of something in the past where our emotions may be charged in a way that that, that particular circumstance doesn't really dictate, but hence, there we are. So I think it's it's very powerful what you're talking about. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about the evolution that you and and you you mentioned that a little bit but how you define evolution in in respect to the journey that you've been on and also to what you're doing with with people and your company so you know how we describe you know we want we we call what we call ourselves the first world uh the world's first personal evolution company instead of personal development company and so we describe evolution as personal evolution as removing the contradicting beliefs, thoughts, and I beliefs, thoughts, and actions that stand between who you are now and who you want to become. Right? Because there it's it's just a gap of information. And so what I would tell people is, you know, we have this entire narrative around that you've never made a bad decision. So I tell people that all the time. I'm going to prove to you that you've never made a bad decision. And people are always like, James, I've made a lot of bad decisions, right? <laughs> and I would say not only have you never made a bad decision, you're not even capable of making a bad decision unless you're mentally ill. And they're like, okay, well, what does that mean, right? And what it means is, is, that, is that we all make decisions the same way, that we – examine the available information, and we make the best decision we can with the information that's available to us. We never start out the decision-making process saying, I'm right now going to make a decision that I believe is in my worst interest. And so that would be a bad decision, but you're not capable of it because that's not in your programming. And so why is this important? So the difference is, is that you've only ever made decisions with bad information. And the reason that it's important, and anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice right now, is because we are constantly beating ourselves up for all the bad decisions we make. But the problem is not you. Stop beating yourself up. The problem is the information, right? And, and it's like, okay, and if the problem is the information, then you can upgrade the information. But there's nothing wrong with you. You're only doing the best you can with the information you have available to you. And so, you know, we like to say if your life isn't what you want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because 
you've done the only, you've made the only decisions you could with the information that's available to you. If I have something, if, that, go ahead. What if we're not paying attention to the information? I'm just playing devil's advocate with you. What if somebody you're that you always, know you're always paying attention to the information, and that's where perception and emotions come in. That is your information, right? Because that's okay. where that's where the part even if we're unaware of it. Comes in. Right. right, because you're always just, you know, and that's what it is. It's like people talk about free will all the time. You don't actually have free will in the way people think about it, right? Because how many of the opportunities have you not seen that you've been able to take advantage of? Well, if I didn't see them, I can't take advantage of them, just like our friend in the yeah. store, right? Period. So the answer is zero. Well, that's what life is, is that, you know, we have a core program in the Core program as if humans can only act in accordance with their beliefs, period, mm-hmm. right? So in the moment, you don't have free will because in that moment, you have to act in accordance with your beliefs. There is no free will in that. Now, where we believe that free will comes in is that you have the opportunity to change what you believe. Therefore, in the next moment, not in the current moment, a different opportunity will present itself and you can act differently. So free will literally exists in the past to impact the future, if that makes sense. It doesn't exist in the moment because you can only ever act in accordance with your beliefs. And so that's what we're talking about is you have to upgrade the information. Right. And it's important because what you said is like what we're doing right now and if we we and we do have the ability to change our beliefs, I believe that I work with it too. And what we're doing right now, if we're changing our beliefs, does have an impact on the next moment and the moment after and all the moments after. So so that's very important. What's the perception loop that, that you're talking about? So here's the perception loop, and it's what we're talking about, is that, you know, if I gave you a sheet of paper and on this sheet of paper was all the information that you needed to make a decision I'm getting ready to ask you to make, what would you do? I would look at all the information and, and again, and, and make a decision based on the information that I have. And and for me, perhaps based on other information that I have that's that's from my history or whatever that I've learned. Right. But what if the information on the paper was wrong? Then my then I'm limited because I'm I'm basing my my I'm basing my decision whatever on on wrong information. Right. And so I'd have to right. I'd have to get new information. Right. But I have to right, recognize because, that it's wrong information first before I could even know that. And so that's the key to this entire radio show is realizing that you don't see reality and to be able to question the information that you're sourcing in order to make your decisions. Good, good information leads to good decisions. Bad information leads to bad decisions. And that's it. What a perception loop is, is this is because we don't question our information, we assume that we see reality. And because we see a reality and we've never taken that time to question, 
all the beliefs and stuff that we have running in our subconscious mind, basically what happens is, is that you wake up every morning and you have, an ex- you have experiences and those experiences are very similar to the experiences you had the day before, right? And because you've never questioned the information, your mind applies the same meaning to those experiences as it did the day before. And what do you do? You make the same decision. Well, that starts looping on itself. Right, because we assume we see reality. We're tied to being right all the time. We're not. We're unwilling to stand in the uncomfortableness of accepting the fact that we're wrong, which is the first key to transformation. Well, what am I wrong about? You're wrong about just about everything, right? Because it's based on your past. And when you can live in that, that knowing of not knowing, right? Then life gets excited. But when you know everything. You're looping. You know, if you know everything, then the, the, your life right now is the best it's ever going to get. It's moving into the uncertainty of not knowing that creates the opportunity to change. And so we all get in these positions where we start our life is just like it's just this repeating pattern. Why? Because the information that's feeling our perception hasn't changed. Therefore, we just see the same thing day in and day out. Same information, same decision. In that, we do not have free will. And that's the perception loop. And, you know, that's what I, you know, it's what I would challenge your listeners to look at. I want to, I want to hit on one thing really quick, Joan, because we brushed over it too fast. And I, I think it's, so we talked about emotional integration techniques, but we didn't talk about emotions because emotions are the key to this whole process. And so what I would tell your listeners is, is that you need to understand that your emotions should be your guide, but, but in exactly the opposite way that you think that they should. Meaning your emotions are the only window that you have in your subconscious mind. Here's what we've been taught to do with emotions. We make our emotions about other people. Why did you make me mad? And we make their emotions about us. They're mad. They must be mad at me. Well, that's a mistake. Your emotions aren't there to tell you there's something wrong on the outside. They're there to tell you there's something wrong on the inside. So we have to stop making our emotions about other people and stop making their emotions about us. Because you have to ask yourself the question, anytime that you have a negative emotion, why am I upset right now? What in this situation triggered this negative emotion? And it always comes down to the same thing is that why do the things upset us, upset us? Well, coming from my past, you know, I had a really abusive teacher in kindergarten, right? And she told me I was dumb every day. And so, you know, as I moved into my teenager years and even my adult years, even even though I had enough experience in my conscious mind to know that I was smart, I was still harboring beliefs about being dumb in my subconscious mind. So if you called me dumb, or if I even thought you insinuated that I was dumb, you could say something like you wouldn't understand. It was on, and I was pissed, and you were going to know about it, right? But, the, but that wasn't about the other person. And so we all hear things every day, right? If they align with what you believe, they don't upset you. If they don't, then they do. It's like, well, you know, if somebody called me ugly, it didn't bother me because I know I'm not ugly. But if you called me dumb... I am now upset. And so that is valuable information because it's, it's drawing you into your subconscious mind and saying, 
do you still harbor ideas about being stupid or that wouldn't have upset you? And so when we talk about emotions, Joan, this is where it gets really important, is we don't, we don't go into the past to find the emotions. All the negative emotions that you felt in the past present themselves in the, in the, in the present. And it's no, all I tied totally together agree. into one weave of fear. So. I was going to say I totally agree with you. And, and it's so interesting, James, because oftentimes, like you said, there's a situation and we're blaming someone else. We're looking outside of ourselves instead of, like, why like, the, that beautiful question, which we need to look at and, and tell or ask ourselves more often is, why am I reacting this way? What's inside of me that's causing this kind of reaction that may, like you said, and, I, and it's true, have nothing in the world to do with that other person or persons or even that situation, but it's triggering something in me that has to be dealt with, that has to be healed. And we have to have the strength and the courage, I believe, to face it because not everybody's comfortable with facing those emotions that may not feel pleasant or uncomfortable. That they, And so it's easier to blame something externally outside of ourselves so that we don't have to deal with it. So what do you tell someone well, we we're don't, running at? We don't actually know how to deal with it. Let's be clear about that because we've never been taught to deal with our emotions. Go ahead, Joan. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, so what do you tell somebody who doesn't know how to deal with it or can't deal with it comfortably in, so that they can get past it and, and really understand their emotions and, and work with them so that they don't have those same kinds of reactions or responses every time they meet a certain person or incident or, or, what, or theme or whatever? How much time do we have, Joe? Uh, we have about five more minutes. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do a really quick experiment, all right? And I want all the listeners to follow along. It's really super, super simple. Okay. going to make me um, work. Joan, do you know <laughs> – yeah, just a little bit. Do you okay, know I'm something joking. That, upsets you, that upsets you? Yes. I mean, it could be your neighbor's dog pooping in the yard. It doesn't matter what it is. Could you bring that up? Allow yourself to. You want me to? uh, Yeah, I'll talk. My neighbor's dog barking at really horrific hours, really loudly, and right out of my bed, right by my bedroom window. Okay, so here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to close your eyes and allow yourself to feel that for a second. Mm Mm-hmm. And let me know. Let me know when you have it up. I got it. Where is it at in your body? It's in my chest. Okay, so here's here's the key. I want you to feel the pain in your chest, and there's an early childhood memory tied to that pain. It'll just pop in your mind. It's not a thinking thing. It's a feeling thing. Okay. You got it? Uh-huh. That's something you're comfortable with sharing online. Yes, somebody yelling really loudly and uncomfortably making, and I'm feeling uncomfortable by the the noise, by the sound, the yelling. So I just compressed your life down to two instances, (laughs) right? And so meaning that, you know, when we adopt fear, that fear for the first time, and it usually has to do with some type of rejection, which I'm sure what the yelling made you feel. 
right? Scared of rejection. What we have to understand is that when we're children, we don't have a mental or physical capacity to defend ourselves. So we adopt fear to do that for us. And so that fear stays standing in its place until it never goes away until you go in and you process or feel that fear in that moment, knowing from this place now that you are in fact strong enough to process that emotion and feel it in its full glory and allow it to release because it's, 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 it's suppressed in your body because you suppressed it in that moment and it's still suppressed and stored in your body. And so these emotions become about going into current situations, seeing which past situation it ties to and going into that moment and feeling that fear. Right. So I would, I would welcome you to close your eyes for one second, John, and we're going to do this really quickly because I know we're going to be pressed for time. And I want uh-huh. you to put yourself in that room and that I want you to see the version of you just after the yelling occurred and you're alone. I already and I saw want that. You to go down. I want you to go sit next to her and I want you to tell her that it's okay. I want you to give her the love she needed in that moment and tell her that you have a great life. Maybe you've had a fantastic life because of her strength and that she has what it takes to make it through and tell her that she's good enough. And that emotion she just displayed had nothing to do with her, right? It was about the other person and tell her that everything's good now, right? And then allow yourself to feel that betrayal in your heart until it burns, but just breathe through it and just recognize that, have gratitude for the gratitude and love for the protection that it offered you. And now knowing that it doesn't serve you, just release it into love, just breathe through it and just allow yourself to feel it and leave the gratitude and love with that girl instead of that emotion of fear. And just breathe through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll literally feel a release in your chest and you'll feel it lighter. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you feel that. Yeah. Can you hear the white noise in your head right now? I don't hear any noise. It's just right. a constant. Yeah, so because noise in your head comes from your body. It's these trapped emotions screaming. And when you release them, it becomes very quiet and you become very calm. But everything that you're experiencing now has a tie into an emotional past. Whenever you're angry now, it has a tie to somewhere in the past. And you have to go back into those situations. You have to. Give yourself the love that you needed in those situations to not feel the way you did, to tell yourself that you were okay and that you were good enough then. And basically what we're doing is we're compressing your entire life. We're bringing up the most unique, authentic version of you, and we're working to compress it into one whole being through processing those emotions. And you just did the first step, and I hope some people listening along did the first step as well because that's the emotional integration technique. It's allowing yourself to... Look at the things that are coming up in your life right now, feeling that emotion, finding it in the past, processing it in that moment, tying a new emotion to the old situation, which is the gratitude and love we felt for the fear. So the next time, unbeknownst to you, that your perception pulls that situation to dictate your current experience, it comes with a different emotional response. You know, it's interesting. I do that with other people all the time, and... and, um, I think we always have something within ourselves that we still need to to heal and shift and whatever. So so that's important to be able to to again look at ourselves and do that. So we are out of time and thank you for that. 
James, tell our listeners how they could get a hold of you, how they could find out more about your program and help to evolve themselves and their lives. So we, our company is called Powerful, the letter U. So it's about you, not about us. You know, and it's powerful-theletteru.com. Um, and if you go there, we have a movie called Perception Scenes Not Believing that explains all of these concepts in real depth. And it's, I mean, it, it will, this is a raw movie. It really goes into, you know, the dark side of our existence and then moves us into the light. We have our book of the same title that's really a deep dive into Steph and I's story and all the principles that dictated our rise from the ashes. And so, you know, we have programs, we have events, we have lots of different things. I welcome you to come to our website, join us on social media, and really become a part of the movement to move humanity forward. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and um, I think that what you're doing is very powerful and really touching a lot of people and helping them transform their lives and themselves. So thank you for all that you do, James. Thank you for all that you do. It was a pleasure meeting you. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks again. Okay. Bye-bye. So think about what James was talking about because it, it really does reside within yourself. You have to take a look at what he said, and it, it's true. Your reality is based on your perception, and your perception has a lot to do with the emotions that you have within yourself that have could go back many, many, many years. So it's time to really examine that, especially if you're not happy with your life and you want to see something different and you want to change that belief system about your life. Maybe you think, oh, it's not possible. I can't, I'm stuck. I can't get out of it. Well, James is here to tell you, and so am I, that you can and that it is possible. And we call this show Power Your Life because I believe that you have the ability to take charge of your life and to shift yourself and to be and evolve and do everything that you choose to. However, it starts with you. So take that first step. Do a little bit of self-examination and find ways to help you become more of what you choose to be. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to docwhite.org and find out more about upcoming shows and blogs and whatever and know that you are beautiful and you have so much capacity within you to do and to be everything that you choose. Have a great day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.